Welcome back to Talking True Cases, where my guest today is editor David Jagger, who covered a recent horrific case of the murder of a young child. Savannah Brookhill murdered Star Hobson after inflicting catastrophic injuries. She's been jailed for life with a minimum term of 25 years. The judge said that the toddler was caught up in the crossfire of a toxic relationship. This is a, rela- this is a call that Savannah made to the police after the injuries before Savannah went to hospital. Under the service, is the patient breathing? Uh, yes, she's breathing. Is she conscious? Uh, yeah, um, yes. Yeah. She's um, a bit of both, really. Basically, it's me partner's daughter. It's my little girl as well. I brought her up. Um, we've got all three children here playing. And uh, I was in the kitchen making a coffee. And they've been in the living room. And I heard a, a bang. So I came came out, and the little lad stood there, and the little girl's on the floor. And um, she she was crying, and then she stopped crying, and then she was sick. And now she's just a little bit floppy, to be honest with you. And what do you know how what the bang was? Uh, no, I don't know what the, I don't know if she's fallen off the off of the sofa, or I don't know. Just, just the three of them playing with us. Right. He just said, start, and when I walked in, she was led on the floor. Push, darling. So you heard a bang, the patient was on the floor. I've heard a bang, yeah. I came in, and the little lad was saying star, which is the little girl. Yeah. So, I've, I've obviously, I've, I've, I shouted the mum in, so sit up, star. So I sat her up, and I started to rub her back, because she was, like, breathing, but, like, struggling. Yeah. So I was rubbing her back. Um, she started to be sick, so I led her on the floor, yeah. got her in like CPR position, started to run run, run her back. Um, she started to lose lose breath. Quite shocking, really. There we are, an individual who has been beating, inflicting numerous injuries on a baby over months. And she makes a phone call, 999, to the police. And listen to how calm she was. No panic in her voice at all. There is her young child on the floor, she says, in a recovery position, having been sick and lost consciousness. And she just talks about it as though it's a matter of a chat, which is basic chat. She's phoning 999. Her child, the child of the woman that she lives with, is on the floor, seriously ill. And she just chats about it. Well, we'll talk more about that call and many other details very shortly. But just let me continue with the background. So Star dies aged 16 months of a cardiac arrest after being punched or kicked. They weren't able to determine which by Brockhill in September 2020 using massive force associated by the experts with a road traffic accident. The type of injuries they would see in a road traffic accident on a 16 month old child. Postmortem revealed previous brain injuries, fractured bones, internal organ injury. This CCTV footage of Brockhill shows her car arriving at a recycling centre. During the course, she inflicted 21 blows to Star Hobson. There's no sound to this video, but I'll let you watch it. There she is arriving, and Star is in the car with her. 
Well, that was truly shocking because the police were able to piece that together and then show that she inflicted 21 injuries on Star on that occasion. Brockhill's partner, Frankie Smith, the mother of Star, was jailed for eight years for causing or allowing Star's death. The Home Secretary, after that sentencing of eight years, appealed, appealed that it was unduly lenient. And as a result of that, the Court of Appeal did increase her sentence to 12 years. There are at least five safeguarding referrals from concerned relatives and friends raising the concerns around Star. And social workers visited on four occasions and closed the case three times. Police visited once. This is a former children's minister response to that review. This government believes in a country where all children are given an equal chance to fulfil their potential. But sadly, we're not there yet. It is for this reason that we made our manifesto commitment to launch the independent review of children's social care in March 2021, which was published today. The review is bold and broad, calling for a reset of the system so that it acts decisively in response to abuse, provides more help to families in crisis, and ensures those in care have lifelong, loving relationships and homes. Mr Speaker, for too long, children's social care has not received the focus it so desperately needs and deserves. I'm determined to work with colleagues across this House and with local authorities across our country to deliver once-in-a-generation reform so that the system provides high-quality help at the right time with tangible outcomes. And whilst I know that no legislation, no process, no procedure or no review, however, however good it is, can prevent evil, nor can I promise that there won't be further cases uh, like Arthur or Star or Victoria or Daniel or Peter, with this most excellent review, and I, and I mean it, Mr Speaker, it, is a, it really is an excellent review, I believe we have a plan, we have a, a roadmap, we have an opportunity, an opportunity that we must and will grasp to ensure that these cases are as rare as they are tragic. Well, we've heard that many times before. Quite interesting for a former children's minister to say an excellent review that gives a roadmap. So what does that say? All the previous reviews in relation to Victoria Klimbo, you know, baby Peter, all those other tragic deaths, they failed, did they, in their review? The problem is, is that we are here again talking about the tragic death of a young child, which was preventable in many ways. You know, children's services attended the house on numerous occasions, three occasions, and even the police attended. And the begs the question, you know, could more have been done? Why wasn't it seen? Why weren't those people, the relatives, the friends, listened to? Because they very clearly did raise their concerns. You know, the problem is, far too often, is there is a reluctance to take children away, put children in a place of safety whilst full assessments can be carried out. You heard, actually, on that 999 call, just how devious individuals can be and in fact Oak Brockhill herself she didn't raise any alarm she wasn't worried when she made that phone call in fact at one stage she referred to one of the children please be quiet darling you know a completely different person and I'm sure she had different sides to her my guest now is the journalist David Jager, digital audience and content editor at Lancashire Telegraph. David has covered this story right from the very beginning. And I'm going to now share with you, with him, some of the detail of this case. It is shocking. And I don't make any apologies for that because I think it's really important we understand exactly what happened to Star, the impact 
of those around Star. And of course, Star lost her life. She should be growing up to become an adult with a future ahead of her. That was taken away by the brutal killing of her and the ignorance and the cover-up and the failing to do anything by her mother. David, a truly tragic case. Yeah, it was it, it shock it shook Bradford to its core really. Everyone was was affected by the case in the district. Um people were shocked by the details which came out during the court case um and the levels of failures which uh, came from children's services. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's set some context in terms of this. So this is you know two individuals living together and Star was actually not Brock Hill's uh, sibling. She had moved in and was looking after, caring for her, and was certainly the dominant partner in the relationship. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Frankie was with with um, Jordan Hobson, Star's um, father, and then they they split up um, shortly after Star was born, and it wasn't wasn't much longer after that that she met Savannah Brockle on a night out um, and the relationship sort of went from there. Um, they, they lived separately, but they were nearly always together. Um, and they'd, they'd often go out um, with Frankie pouring off um, Star onto, onto friends, onto family to look after so they could go out together. Um, and then once once lockdown hit, which was one of the big um, issues in this case, it just allowed those two to just remove staff from all the family and um, mm. and the kind of abuse which took place, it all happened behind closed doors, um, away from family. And I think people forgot the impact of children, on children as well as domestic violence over the lockdown because, of course, people were together in their own house and there wasn't the opportunity for the external factors to see what was going on or to observe you know children go to school and when they go to school they get seen by other parties and of course you can see injuries you can see bruising and it gives an opportunity for that person you know, to say something that didn't happen during lockdown was that a big aggravating factor i think you've got to you've got to draw that conclusion that it was because Family didn't. Family and friends didn't see Star for weeks on end when she was covered in bruises all over her face and all over her arms. She was frequently nipped and and slapped, receiving bruises such as that one you can see on the screen now. Um, family just didn't see her, so no one could tell that this kind of thing was happening. Really brutal, and and in fact, her injuries were so severe in the end but were a catalogue of injuries this was injuries that she was having to to endure the pain you know fractures and still continue yeah she um she had a broken leg it was it was caused it was a spiral fracture it's caused by twisting that was broken again before it could heal which meant she was limping she had um a fractured skull and a probably a, a very serious concussion in the week leading up to her death, she had broken ribs. Um, there were bruises all over her. Um, there was, there was. Um, I think the pathologist found evidence of previous internal injuries, um, which hadn't fully healed, or there was scarring uh, left by that, and then it all obviously accumulated in the the serious event in September twenty twenty. 
And just talk me through that. I just want to play that clip again. I just want to talk it through. Let's play that clip, just the first part of it, Jamil. Let's listen to that clip again. Under the service, is the patient breathing? Uh, yes, she's breathing. Is she conscious? Uh, yeah, um, yes. Yeah. She's um, a bit of both, really. Basically, it's me partner's daughter. It's my little girl as well. I brought her up. Um, we've got all three children here playing. And uh, I was in the kitchen making a coffee. And they've been in the living room. And I heard uh, a bang. So I came came out and the little lad stood there and the little girl's on the floor. And um, she she was crying and then she stopped crying and then she was sick. And now she's just a little bit floppy, to be honest with you. Shocking. I'll tell you what I find so shocking about that, and I did allude to at the beginning, was the calmness in her voice. The way she was just simply describing as though, you know, the kids had gone out to play. This was Star seriously seriously ill she'd been sick she had lost consciousness and she was now on the floor but no alarm in her voice at all no and it was it was 15 minutes after the fatal incident which the phone call was made um she'd been trying in vain i think realizing that she'd gone a bit too far this time um i think she'd, she'd taken her to the window to get some air that didn't help she ran her hands or her feet under cold water to try and bring her back around, that didn't help. She, I was sick, so I think she clearly realised something was wrong. But she used that time to cook up this um, story, which she tried to convince the jury with, that she'd been in the in another room making a drink when it happened. Um, so I think it must have been by that time she'd, she'd con conduct, concocted this story um, and was just relaying it to the paramedic to try and uh, convince them and convince herself that that was up what that was what had happened yeah we've got lots of questions coming in we'll come to you very shortly uh james elaine and kevin but let's just stay with this at the moment so what did the police put together in terms of their prosecution case crown prosecution service and, and the pathologist what did they derive had happened on that day I think the, the, the severe, um, Savannah had cooked up this story that she'd fallen and whilst they were um, waiting together in hospital um, had sort of forced Frankie to go along with this story because that's that was the type of relationship it was. She was, she was extremely controlling and coercive over Frankie Smith. Um, and, but I think when, the, I mean, the, the inferior vena cava, the, the main blood vessel that runs through your abdomen that just doesn't that doesn't get burst by falling and that ruptured had it that ruptured yeah it was i think it was a couple of centimeters in size the rupture which doesn't sound a lot but in a small baby it's pretty serious and she died within minutes basically there was she had absolutely no chance um, but that's the type of injury that you don't you don't get that from falling off of a sofa that's from so we was she dead prior to the 999 call being made and being taken to hospital? No, she was. I think there was still some signs of consciousness, but she was she was as good as dead. She, there was there was absolutely even even if they'd called 999 immediately and she had been round the corner from the hospital, she wouldn't have lived because it was just such a serious injury. The, the blood. I think she had about 
a few pints of blood pull, pulling up in her abdomen. Um, so it just showed that there was how severe the injury was and she just had no chance. Um, and I th- it was this which which um, made the police realise that this wasn't an accident. This had been done um, by somebody to star and it could only have been those two people, Frankie Smith and Savannah Brockhill. Um, so, I mean, they, they took them in for questioning. They both stuck to the the story which Savannah had cooked up, that it was an accident. Um, but then, obviously, they, they discovered all the messages and photos and videos on um, each of the people's and phones. And I'll come to that in a minute, but let's just deal with that one of the, it's actually one of the questions, but I also want to talk in terms of psychopathy and schizophrenia. So I did a big piece of work recently looking at the Yorkshire Ripper, of course, a case, you know, synonymous to, to West Yorkshire and your area. And one of the things I looked at was whether or not Peter Sutcliffe was schizophrenic or whether he had psychopathy. And one of the things that was very clear, having done that real intense work with you know, the medical professions, the experts, the psychiatrists, was that he was, in fact, a psychopath. He had all the signs of psychopathy. And the massive difference is because that when you have psychopathy, you can carry on a normal life. You, you can compartmentalize your life. If you've got schizophrenia, it's very, very present. It can be seen by your loved ones and tends to be treated by medication. I would say from what I've seen, and of course I didn't sit through court, it'd be interesting to see what came out of court. Was there a thought process that uh, Savannah Brockhills was actually a psychopath? I mean, she referred to herself as a psycho um, on a Snapchat video. Um, <clears throat> she she looked after her sister's children quite a lot and there was never any sign of um, any issues with them. She was never violent towards those children as far as as far as we're aware um and i, I mean i spoke to a family on the in the um in the concourses of the court during the during the trial and they never raised any issues um, so she was selective in terms of who she was going to to mute that out to yeah let's listen to jamil let's play that snapchat video of brock hills talking herself about being a psycho Guys and girls need to remember the fact that Frankie is with me. She keeps getting a lot of message requests and friends requests. She's not going to accept, especially tramps like yous. And if you want to keep your kneecaps, I suggest you stop sending her them. She's with the number one psycho. That's quite chilling, isn't it? And I think that shows the power she had over Frankie and her attitude, her attitude, one of I'm in charge here. You know, I'm the boss here. And, um, you know, if you want anything, I'm I'm you know, I'm controlling it. W- what was the court making of that relationship between the two of them? It was it was a very toxic relationship um, from the get go. There were constantly arguing and bickering and and fighting with each other um savannah was very controlling and coercive over frankie she she controlled when she could see a family when she could see her friends she wasn't allowed to have any male friends um savannah would check her phone she was always checking where she was um if she didn't reply to her she was sending her messages um 
demanding to know where she was. Um, there was a there was a quite a lengthy phone call which Savannah secretly recorded with uh, where she was speaking to Frankie Smith, um, where she was pretty blatantly gaslighting her. Um, Frankie had been out drinking, and Savannah was looking after the baby, um, and she was just winding her up, um, getting her angry and aggressive. Um, threatening not to give her star back um all in some sort of ploy just to to try and portray frankie as a as a bad mother really i think and someone who who wasn't to be trusted around the baby and just give me a sense of some of the compelling evidence that the prosecution had they had videos they had communication between the two of them was there anything that was you know was, was the the golden bullet i think the golden bullet would have been the the CCTV footage from the um, recycling centre. Um, this is only a small snippet of what was shown in court. The, the other the other footage was it was too chilling to be released publicly. Um, it, it showed it showed Star in the back of that car for for hours on end in the middle of summer um, with nothing to do. Um, all while Savannah just sat there keeping guard of this recycling plant. And as you'd imagine, a baby was... Well, why was she there? Just to give some context, what, what was she going to the recycling yard for? Why did she wait so long? I mean, is that she where a, she struck her with 21 blows? Yes, yeah, she was a security guard there. Um, she worked right. pretty long shifts, um, just keeping an eye out to make sure nobody came in... Um, but for some reason, I think mainly to allow Frankie Smith to go out drinking and obviously to keep this hold over her as she had she had custody of the child. Um, she would take her with her for, for hours on end. Um, and as you can imagine, a baby in the back of a red-hot um, car sat there doing nothing, tended to get a little bit irate and a little bit upset. Um, and when she didn't comply with Savannah's strict rules, she was disciplined, whether that was um, slapping, punching, throttling. You could see it fairly clearly on all the CCTV. Um, it was, she tried to explain some of it away with, um, with very bizarre references to, to certain films and, and stuff um, during her evidence, um, but then there was... There was Google searches made as well that during the, the time she was with Star, where she was searching things like how long for bruising to go down. Really? Can you die from being winded? Does toothpaste get rid of bruises? All kinds of stuff like that, which... And very compelling supporting evidence. It always amazes me the amount of people who, who fail to realise that their path, their history on the internet doesn't disappear when they just clear the, their cash file. And actually, that can be recovered. And people searching for those things, you know, how do I get rid of this? What happens if I do this? Um, and obviously, she fell into that. What was the, the relationship that they had together? Did that turn at all? Because obviously, you know, Star wasn't Brock Hill's own child. Did mum stand up for her? Did she defend Brock Hill? What, what happened with that? Frankie was was the setting court. Frankie was obsessed with Savannah. She was this 
this woman who was about 10, 11 years a senior who showed a real interest in her and she just grew attached to her. Um, right. And when Savannah cooked up all these excuses, when she was bringing Star home with bruises, explaining that she'd fallen onto the gear lever and she just bought it because she wanted to. Do you think Savannah. she bought it or she just was in a position where she felt she she had to and she couldn't do anything about it and so it was easier to accept it than not? Do you think there was a realisation on her behalf that her child was actually being you know, violently assaulted and bruised? Because, yeah, those injuries that she had were coming from one place. There were some some instances where she did question Savannah's excuses, but on the whole, she seemed to buy them. She, she's, a, she's a very low IQ person, is right. Frankie Smith. She was, um, they had tests carried out on her, um, did her defence, which showed that she had very low IQ. Um, so you can imagine that she went, and she was very immature as well for her age. She played with yeah. dolls up to 16, 17 years old. Right. Okay. Um, so um, there was certainly made reference in court, isn't there, to her learning difficulties and her low IQ, yeah. and perhaps not necessarily understanding. And in fact, I think some of that was the reason why she perhaps got the eight years, which was subsequently increased to the 12. I'm just going to play a clip of David Fawcett, who was Starr's uh, great-grandfather. He gave a statement outside court. Let's listen to that. And then, Jamil, off the back of that, let's just answer some of these questions. If you have a question, please do drop it in, ask Mark, and either I'll answer it or we can ask David to answer it. But uh, do drop us a question. So let's play that clip. I'm just pleased that uh, we got uh, a murder conviction for Savannah Brockhill because to me she was just pure evil just can't believe she could do something like that to a baby girl it was like as I say we were just a quiet lovely family and she like ascended from the bowels of hell and just completely devastated wrecked our family and took poor baby star's life it's like we said, I know Frankie, she, she could have got her out of that situation, but if Frankie had never met Savannah Brockhill, none of this had never have happened, and we wouldn't have been here today talking about it. But, well, it's what they didn't do. It's, it was disgusting because there were five referrals, and uh, not one of them sort of did anything. And we, my partner, Anita, she actually did the second referral, and they never got back to us, they never came to see us, and they never told, after they'd been there, that they'd been and closed the case and classed it as malicious gossip. And Savannah Brockhill said that Anita, for doing this referral, was a weirdo and a freak. Definitely, yeah. If they'd have done more, if they'd have done, as I after two, maybe three referrals, but when it gets to five and nothing's done, it's just beyond belief, really. So some shocking words from Star's great-grandfather. Jamil, let's just bring you in here. Have we got any questions? Hi, Mark. Yeah, just a couple of comments and a question as well. Uh, firstly, I'd also like to thank David S. Cameron for sending in his super chat. Thanks for the support. Um, and in terms of comments, we've had this uh, such a beautiful baby, 
this was a horrible case. Uh, we've got a question here from James Salmon who says, did Frankie or Savannah come across as remorseful during the trial? Um, I think that that's one that Dave could probably answer. Yeah. Um, great point. Yes, psychopaths are abundant in our lives and only become an issue when they have other traits. Um, yeah, that's... Brilliant. We'll come back in, in a minute and get any more. So, David, what were they like in court? Savannah was stone-faced the entire time. She, really? There were some crocodile tears um, when certain clips were played of Star. Um, but for the most part, like, like you heard in that 999 call, it was all very blasé. When she, was, when she took the stand, she was very cocky and arrogant, thinking that she could outsmart... Um, the QCs who were questioning her, which backfired pretty spectacularly. Um, Frankie Smith, I think, because she she changed her uh, she changed her story after about one or two weeks of the trial. I think it dawned on her the reality the reality of the situation and the fact that she'd been fed lies by Savannah. Um, and she, so how did she change? What did she start saying? She'd she'd gone on with Savannah's story um, that they'd both been out of the room and Star had fallen. Um, pretty much from from September 2020 when it happened all the way up until mid or late October of the year after. Um, and then she changed the story. Um, she said she was in the bathroom um, changing a sanitary product um, and she came out and and found Savannah in the um, in the living room with Star after the injury had had happened, and was told to to um, to peddle the story that they'd both been out of the room. And so she she was in the house when this was all taking place. Then, yeah, she'd she'd they'd been in the living room playing with the children. Um, because there was two other children there at the time. Um, and then Frankie had gone to the... Well, according to Frankie's story, Frankie had gone to the toilet. Um, and it was at this point that Savannah kicked or stamped or punched Star, causing the, the uh, fatal injury. Just shocking, really. So she knew, she knew what had gone on, whether it's in the entirety, but she certainly knew to the degree that she could have at that point said something and, and actually potentially called the emergency services sooner? I think from I think there was there was a, a little bit of Frankie on the phone um to nine nine nine. I'm not sure if it's on that clip that you've got. Um but she she was in a bit of a hysterical state. Um I think Savannah had, had taken control of the situation. She told Frankie what to do. And Frankie just went along with it because because Savannah had this hold over her and she was just too immature to, to realise what was going on. I don't think she I don't think she realised the severity of the injuries at the time because Savannah had, had downplayed them until it was too late. Um, what is shocking is of course the amount of people who came forward over that period of time who raised concerns. We heard that from uh, the great-grandfather, but also in relation to friends. There was a, a very close friend who actually took up 
a lot of the babysitting duties specifically so that she knew that Star was being looked after. And, and in fact, the judge made specific mention of her, didn't he? Yeah, Holly Jones. She, um, whenever Frankie wanted to go out drinking, which was most weekends, she'd, uh, she'd fob Star off to Holly, <coughs> who, who looked after her quite a lot. There was one incident where she'd picked Star up um, and Star had bruises on her face. And her and, and one of her friends had, had videoed Star on that occasion, um, which was when it came to Jordan Hobson's attention. I think that was when he made his social services referral um, because she was covered in bruises. And it, it wasn't long after that, only a matter of, of minutes really, um, that Frankie rocked up at the house with Savannah and took took Star back because... Um, I think she tried to she tried to say it was makeup, but it was pretty pretty clear it was bruises, and she just wanted to get her out of that situation so that no one could uh, know what was going on. And in terms of the review that took place, so there was a subsequent review that uh, the authorities did. I mean, let's, let's be very clear: there have been so many before Victoria Columbia, Baby Peter, uh, Savannah. Uh, sorry. Um, all the other children that have ended up dying. We've got Arthur Labinjo Hughes, Star Hobson. You know, there's so many reviews that have happened over the decades, yet we're still here. Children are still dying. And on each and every one of those occasions, they have been in contact with children's services. They have had visits from children's services and they have had visits by the police. And of course, what is shocking in this case, not just one, not just two, but, you know, four contacts in relation to children's services in the police and visits and closing the case and to one degree where they've actually said that they put it down to being malicious. This is a failing by the authorities to identify something when actually they've got to be smarter. They've got to realise, you know what, there are devious people out there and these people will try everything to get away with what they've done and not be caught out. And is it the fact that we as children's services are just not clever enough? They're just not astute enough. They're not trained enough to identify when people are lying to them. Perhaps they need to be more intuitive. Maybe they need to have more police training because they are the front line and they are the people that go into the house and have to look. And they're the people who have to have the conversation with the individuals that are there. But clearly on this occasion, it's failed and failed numerous times before. What was made of that in the community or at, at court? That, that was one of the big the big um, outcomes of the, of the review in Bradford. It was high turnover of staff, inexperienced staff, a reliance on agency staff. So people just didn't know, <clears throat> didn't know the cases, didn't know the families they were working with. Um, they weren't there long enough to to get to know people and to get that experience. Um, but why? So, why is that? Why is that still? And I'm not criticising you, Dave. I'm just voicing my massive, massive annoyance. I've worked in this field for so long, and I'm always coming out and saying, why is it we're here again? Lessons are not being learned. Children are still dying. How is it today that we've got children's services, individuals going out to see families who are not astute enough who are not trained well enough, who are not asking the right questions to ascertain whether or not there is a risk to that child. Are we too, 
have we gone the pendulum gone completely the other way where we now actually don't look to take children into care to look after them or give them some kind of respite whilst we work out what's going on because actually if you'd have taken star away from them done a proper medical with an examination you would have established that she had serious injuries that were recovering you know those injuries and we can see that picture there. i mean that that Anybody, I defy anybody to watch that and not get angry and not get angry that a young child has suffered that injuries and the authorities, the very people who are there to keep children safe, have failed and failed again and again. And we're back here again in 2023 with exactly the same situation as happened before. You followed this case, David. Did it make you angry? Yeah, it, it, it shocked me. The, the first day in court, when the prosecution laid out the case, it was harrowing um, that that they'd been allowed to get away with it for so long, um, and that the, the the social services. I hate to criticise them because they do a great job, but mm. they, they just they bought they bought lies. Um, it's such a risky job. The, it's it's that, like being a yeah. police officer, isn't it? You know, you're a social yeah. worker, you're a police officer. When you get it right, nobody talks about it. When you get it wrong, we all talk about it. And the problem is you're front line. So the responsibility sits with you. It is a huge responsibility. That's why police officers and social workers, you know, don't get the credit that they should do when the jobs are going right, because we don't talk about it every day. They are saving people's lives. No doubt about it at all. I work very closely with police and children's services. But when they get it wrong, they spectacularly get it wrong. And sadly, normally it results in somebody dying or being seriously injured. Let's have a listen to the police officer, Detective Chief Superintendent Mark Swift, who gave his statement outside court after the guilty verdict. This has been a particularly upsetting, distressing investigation for everybody involved. No child should ever suffer as Star suffered, and particularly not at the hands of those that are supposed to be caring for them and love them the most. Her Honour Justice Lambert has played, paid tribute to the jury because of the harrowing nature of the evidence uh, that's had to be heard over the last eight weeks. I want to pay tribute to my investigation team who have worked tirelessly in very difficult situation and very emotional circumstances to bring the evidence together and secure these verdicts today. Thank you. Well, a very difficult job for police officers involved in that. Let's hear now from the Crown Prosecution Service, uh, Anita Banerjee, who talked and gave their statement outside sentence, after sentencing outside court. Yesterday, Savannah Brockhill was found guilty of the murder of Star Hobson and Frankie Smith was found guilty of causing or allowing the death of the child. They were together responsible for inflicting catastrophic injuries on a helpless young child. Throughout her short life, Star was subjected to endless physical assaults and psychological harm. Instead of the love and protection, she experienced a world of humiliation, cruelty and pain at the hands of those who should have protected her the most. It is impossible to imagine how any parent or carer could inflict this pain or suffering, sorry, inflict this pain and suffering on an entirely defenceless little girl. Our thoughts remain with Star's family, of course, as they have been throughout. Thank you. Shocking, truly shocking. And, and of course, the authorities did a great job bringing um, 
to court and getting all the evidence, but it was too late. It was too late to save the life of a defenseless young baby. There we are. I can see Star Hobson happy, cheerful, meant no harm to anybody at all. Yet she was the victim of a brutal, brutal attacks by the very people who were there to look after her. David, this has had a huge impact on you personally. What about your community? What about the readers of your local paper? How have they responded? People, in, there was there was a huge interest in the case in Bradford. Um, we we did something like there was about five point six million people read read the blog of the eight weeks, which was unprecedented. Um, and it's the after effects just rumble on. Um, people were outraged by the failure in, in children's services. There were vigils held. There's fun days held. Um, there's all sorts that can't, continues to happen to to remember Star. Um, it's very much left a, a lasting imprint on on the community across across the Bradford district, uh, particularly in Bailden, where the family are from, and in Keithley, where where Star and Frankie lived when when Star died. Um, I don't think it's it's going to be something which people forget about anytime soon. Um, it, it's, it's really affected people, particularly it, given that it was the the um, the details of it, the the fact it was a sixteen month old baby, and it was it was her own mother and a mother's girlfriend who who did it. And what's the takeaway for you in relation to this? What have what do you come away? You know, we cover all kinds of cases. Uh, in our time and some have more impact than others what's your takeaway from covering this case it, it, it was the how much had been let down by by social services um and just by the whole state of it in bradford um where you didn't you didn't have you didn't experience staff high staff turnover so people didn't know what they were doing and not not didn't know what they were doing but they just they bought things too easily. Um, the, the complaint by the, by the great grandma Anita, it was said that she, she made it because she didn't like the fact they were in a same sex relationship, and they didn't like the fact that Frankie came from a, a traveller background, which which that they were excuses which which Frankie and Savannah made, and they were just bought too easily when they visited the fam when they visited Star and Frankie, they played happy families, and they bought it. Um, when police visited and they saw a bruise on Star's face, um, which they explained away as walking into a table, and then she was taken to hospital, and a doctor bought it as well. Um, there's just there needs to be more um, joined up thinking, uh, working together by the by the services. That was something which the IOPC's investigation into it all concluded. It was it said that the that they needed more training in um, recording crime, which is just basics, really. Um, they needed to work together more um, with with the different um, bodies, social services, the council, health services. It all needs to be more joined up because <clears throat> if they don't all work together, then they can't spot these things, which, again, it's just basics and, and safeguarding. They need more safeguarding training, which, again, in this day and age, it should just be policing one hundred and one, really. Um, so it was just, it was just a sense of sadness, really, when I, when it finished. 
when it finished and um, and it was all done, it was just a sense of, yeah, Savannah's been sent to prison for life. Um, Frankie's been sent to prison for being a careless mother. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't make a difference really because it's not going to bring Star back. No, and of course, you know, those points that come out of the review, they, they make me so angry. You know, I've worked in safeguarding child protection for a very long time. You know, my policing uh, t- was spent working in safeguarding child protection. In fact, I was a child protection trainer, training multi-agency training. Uh, and I remember very clearly the evidence that came out of the 1973 review of Maria Caldwell, who, who was murdered. And what came out of that was the need to work together for the police and children's services to jointly work together in a multi-agency approach and for the health authorities to communicate to hospitals to communicate with and share information properly and for doctors' surgeries. And, and that came out of the review in 1973. Fast forward decades to where we are today and the same things are being said now as they were back then. It's all well and good for uh, the former children's minister to stand up in in the house and say well you know it's great because there's a real clear path now well that's happened so many times before and we're back here in exactly the same place and you know in a way they've made it bad for themselves because what happened after the 1973 and certainly 1984 when the children's act uh, very much came in what they did is they put multi-agency approaches together. So police and children's services worked in the same team, worked in the same offices, and were sharing information. Brilliant. Then in their infinite wisdom in the 2000s, they decided, no, let's split them up. Let's separate them. Not to every department. Not all local authorities have that, but a large amount of local authorities now have separation between children's services and police. Again, working in isolation. And what we know is that as soon as you work in isolation, in safeguarding, you create silos, you create separation of information, and that is when information is lost and tragedies happen. When will we finally learn the lessons that actually it's very simple to safeguard children, but made very complicated by the failings of individuals who just simply don't grasp how serious and important it is to do the job. I'm not criticising all social workers and police officers. Of course I'm not. There are brilliant ones up and down the country who do an amazing job every single day saving lives. And, of course, we don't talk about them. We talk about it when it goes wrong. But it shouldn't still be going wrong. We should have learned those lessons, and we're not. David, thank you so much for coming on. I understand, obviously, how difficult this has been and for your community, but I think yeah, the credit to you and to your blog with the sheer number of people that have followed it and your reporting of the case has been absolutely excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Brilliant. Take care. <clears throat> well, I'm just going to give you an update in relation to one other case that we have covered quite extensively on this channel, and that is the case of Nicola Bully. Nicola Bully was sadly found just over a week after she disappeared uh, when her body was found some way down the river. I was very clear and said that I do not believe she fell in at the point where the police conducted their search and where they believe she fell in, which was by the bench. I always believed that she went in, if she did go in, further downstream, not at the point to which they say. And lo and behold, of course, her body was found some way downstream across the 
road and beyond an area where I say Nicola Bully's body was not able to travel at that time. And I quite simply because in order for her body to have moved into the direction where it was eventually found, it would have had to have not only gone over a weir, it would have had to negotiated a number of obstacles in the water, also negotiated a number of bends and gone under a bridge that was incredibly shallow and full of rocks. That is why I say, and I always said from the very beginning, there are two options. She didn't go, well, the two options because she didn't go in the water here. It was either she's got into the water further down or she's disappeared and gone away from the scene. Very clearly, she walked back on the path that she walked up on that day because there was no CCTV covering it. And I believe, and the evidence I believe supports that, that she went into the water beyond the bridge. Interestingly, the coroner has also raised serious questions in regards to how she got in the water and particularly where she went into the water. And as a result of that, police divers have been back this week looking at the river to see if they can determine where she has gone in. Now, there's been reports on Facebook that they've used perhaps dummies or individuals floating in the water to try and establish whether or not that you could travel down that distance. That's not been confirmed by the police uh, or even the coroner. But what is clear is that there is confusion. There is no certainty in terms of how she went into that water and in particular where she went into the water. And that is why the coroner has asked the police to go back and to perform some further tests and examinations so that he can hopefully get as much information possible so that he can make a determination. So that's the latest in relation to the Nicola Bully case. Of course, it still continues to attract a lot of uh, both media and public interest. My thoughts remain with Nicola's family and friends, which is obviously an ongoing and still a very sad time. It will They will never forget Nicola. Over time, they will come to terms with it. But they will never forget her and the light and the, and the happiness that they that she brought to her loved ones, her children, her partner and her friends. So my thoughts remain with Nicola's family at this ongoing sad time. Well, that is it for this uh, today, actually, because we are back with another uh, talk tomorrow. So tomorrow we're going to be having a chat with regards to a very difficult case that was dealt with i'll send you i'll put some more details up later we're going to put up a, a little video to show you what's coming up but it's a it's a really difficult case that was dealt with uh, by some local journalists so tune in tomorrow we'll give you some more information in relation to that but for today my thoughts remain with stars loved ones a young girl 16 months who should never have lost her life she lost her life at a time when the authorities, the very people who should have been looking after her, failed, failed spectacularly. And as a result of that, sadly, Star wasn't protected. Yes, of course, Star could have been assaulted and killed at any other, other time. But what is shocking is that the authorities did have an opportunity. They did have the opportunity to go into that house and safeguard Star. Let's just leave you on the clips of Star, as we remember the lovely young girl, 16 month old, whose life was taken away from her, tragically and brutally, by the very people who should have cared for her.
Thank you.